The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Ooh. Oh man, I'm gonna need some more caffeine before the or too long. <laughs> All right, I hope you're I hope you're real high because we're gonna get super crazy with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to season seven, episode four of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon talking today about the song Crop Duster from Riot Act with guest Bradley Piseki. Hello, Bradley. Hi, how you doing? I am well, and how are you? Oh, not too bad. All right. Well, uh, let's see. This song, Matt wrote the music for it. I don't know why I paused there. I think I was thinking, it's like, am I going to say his last name or not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ed wrote the lyrics for it. Um, you can kind of tell that it's a Matt song because the uh, song starts off in 6-4, a couple measures of that. And then uh, there's a strange uh, pickup measure in there, I think of 9-8 or something. It's good. It's real off before it goes into the main riff, the the verses, which are 7-4. And uh, then there's uh, three measures of 4-4 four, four before you get into the chorus, like I said, which is 6-4 uh, and then 6-4, uh, a couple measures and like 4-4. Four, four. Then uh, I think for a measure after that or so, I don't know. But if you're if you're kind of thinking it sounds weird or kind of say you, you're sure. either going to count to six or to seven and then uh, you, you're going to you, you can find it <laughs> back after that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you had that information because I I don't have a trained ear enough to pick up on all these all the different time changes. I recognize the different changes, but I wouldn't have known which you know like oh I didn't know that a certain one would have been you know I wouldn't be able to pick up that it was nine eighths or you know six eighths or whatever. So. Yeah, it's it's it, in the beginning. It's super weird. It's like super hard to count after you, it's it's six four six four is going to the uh, therpeggiated intro. And then it's in the uh, in the Pearl Jam anthology tab book. It has it as nine eight just because it's, you know, it's just nine eight ah, notes okay. and then it goes into the uh into the seven four verse. Sure. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't think to look through my book to to look up that stuff. But. Uh, and uh, speaking of looking in books, if you uh, go to your Pearl Jam twenty book and look in the back, it's going to say that Crop Duster is mentioned on page one hundred six, which it is not. Right. It is not. Yes, I found that out as well. Yes, it is actually uh, page two sixty. Right. Yep. The actual yeah, where they talk about uh, Riot Act as a whole. Yes, and that's the that's the only place where it's mentioned. <laughs> yeah, surprised but not surprised at the same time. You know, you figure uh, there weren't any um, like groundbreaking performances or any kind of uh, any controversy or anything with the song, so it, you don't know, really, really probably want to get brought up in any kind of uh, any other aspects either. So yeah, they uh, they first played it at the December fifth Showbox show, the first of the two Showbox shows. The only other performance thing that they could mention is that they opened a show with it on that 2003 tour uh in lexington yeah, april 21st which is a weird ass way to start a show yeah I, I agree with that that's doesn't really feel like uh 
You know, like every now and then they'll throw in some weird openers, you know, stuff that you don't think of, but, but it's like, ah, well, it still kind of could make sense as an opener. This one just doesn't feel like it would, you know, I mean, obviously if I was there, I wouldn't have been upset or anything like that, but it would have been, uh, it definitely would have caught me off guard. Yeah. When you look at, I think the whole, uh, playlist, not whole playlist, the mm-hmm. whole set list for the show, right. it is kind of like a weirder kind of mid tempo, kind of slower show, uh, I guess. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's Crop Duster and then Given to Fly, which is kind of like a weird one-two punch to start it off with. Yeah, that is kind of, yeah. I've seen uh, I've seen them have Given to Fly. I've been to a show where they had Given to Fly was the second song, but um, but never right after Crop Duster. That does just does seem a little odd. Yeah, and pretty much they just played it on the 2003 tour and then retired it oh, out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they, they, they bust it out maybe once a, yeah. uh, you yep. know, they'll play uh, pretty it on much, one yeah. date. <laughs> Yeah, it seems it seems like yeah, exactly. One of those that just uh, pops in every now and then. Just you know, they'll throw it out there, and uh, they have they haven't done a full Riot Act show yet, like they have with some of the other albums. So I imagine you know if if they ever do that, you know, you'll get it there, and maybe a couple shows before, so they could work it out again. Yeah. Do you think that they ever would do an entire Riot Act show because of Ark in there, or if they did, they would leave that out? Maybe. That's a good question. You know, I, I don't know. I think I would assume that if they did the whole album, I think they would leave it out. Because, like, when they did Yield, they didn't do, like, Red Dot, mm-hmm. although they did have it playing over the PA um, before the show started. And yeah. um, But I would imagine the only way I think they would they could do it, which I actually think would be kind of neat now that thinking about it, would be if they split the set and, like, like Ark was the first song coming back from Encore or something like that. Where, you know, but that would still kind of throw everything off. Like, I don't think they would mm-hmm. do that. But that would be the way I would think that it might work out. But you know what? You never know. They've done some crazy things, you know. Ten years ago, I never would have assumed they were going to play Bugs. And they've done it a few times. They've brought up the accordion. (laughs) So so you never know. That's, you know, one of the great things about them is they're not afraid to take chances and try something new. Yeah. um, Let's see. There was an AV Club interview where Ed was talking about this song. He said, uh, I think Crop Duster at some point has some stuff about life, about the life cycle, which whether we want to or not, everyone's participating Mm in. I think it's all about man's giant ego that he's the most important thing on the planet. Oh, yeah, I I could I gather that. I mean, from the lyrics, I could see exactly that point of view or I understand why that would say that. Yeah, it is very the, the only in trying to uh, remember which song this is when I when I listened to it and you know in the in the beginning when it first came out and stuff like that it's kind of like okay you know mm-hmm. I know I know can't keep and I know uh, save you because they say that but like crop duster and ghost those two songs they don't say crop duster in it and they don't say ghost in the lyrics so how can I, so how can I figure it out it's like okay uh, yeah that's uh, funny light green to green dark br- green brown it's like okay that's like leaves so think crops crop duster okay so that's crop duster and then the mm-hmm. other one is ghost yeah <laughs> so. right yeah good yeah, that, that's just uh, yeah the only way to remember that is it's the one that doesn't fit any yeah yeah so. <laughs> yeah you can't yeah so, but no, I noticed that too. I thought of that the other day um, when I was kind of looking into this. As I said, yeah, you know, Crop Duster is probably one of the, I don't know if it's few, I've never actually gone through, but there's definitely less of their songs that don't have the title in it than do. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them that they don't say the the title in it. And, um, but yeah, it was because I said, I thought the same thing as, you know, this and Ghost. And I guess, I mean, technically maybe Ark, I guess you could say, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, but, but yeah. And then, um, but I noticed that as well. It's just that, this is one of the rarer for the for that aspect of it. 
Yeah, I think like after Vitology, they mm-hmm. they kind of got away from that because you know like corduroys. Like, I don't say corduroy at all in yep. it, or uh, right, right. elderly woman behind the counter in a small <laughs> town. Yeah, that, that's always my go-to one when I use it as an example of a song that doesn't have the name in it. Yeah. yeah so for 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 a while, like you know, they're gonna say the name of the song somewhere in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Let's see. What are some of the the things? Yeah, it's it's very sort of earthy, environmental. Well, I don't know about environmental, but it is sort of uh, evoking of nature, at least in the in in the beginning uh, of the lyrics. Yeah, I always thought of the song. Um, well, again, originally, initially, as reading through these lyrics, and um, like a while ago, I was like, oh, this is a good Earth Day song, which is. Very topical oh. from the date we're recording here. But um, yeah, I thought that too. But then, you know, you look more into it and I agree with what you were saying earlier about like, you know, man's ego and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it does. It has that, like, especially the first couple of verses. Just, it, yeah, it does feel like, you know, it's very, like you said, nature and plant life. And uh, like I said, mother nature and just the, I wouldn't say it's inspired by the Lion King, but it kind of has something to do with the circle of life a little bit. So <laughs> I have a, a bootleg. I think it's the um, Hamilton show. I don't know why I downloaded it, but I have it. But uh, like in it, I don't know if he's done it at other shows where he says, dig a hole in the garden. He says, dig a hole in sound garden. Oh, very cool. I don't know if I've ever heard one of the uh, instances when they've done that. Or if I have, I may have just spaced it out to the point where I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. So um, that very well could have happened, but but that's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, let's see. Um, so we we, we kind of okay. Yeah, it's kind of like life cycle, kind of beginning. You know, everybody's gonna die and go into the dirt and you know fuel the next coming of life and everything like that. Then we got the like the kind of bridge part. Daddy's gone up in flames, but this ain't no movie. This right. ain't no book you can close when yeah. the big lie hits your eye. Yep. That uh, verse or that section has always kind of puzzled me a little bit. Not exactly sure. I did read a theory online where they were saying something about they thought of it as being something like uh, dad would be referring to like some deity or some sort of like some kind of religious aspect. And But I mean, I guess I could kind of see that. I never, you know, interpreted it that way. But um, I guess, you know, teach their own. Oh man, I got I got some crazy connections and uh, and thoughts swirling around from okay. here. <laughs> All right, let's well, lay them on well, me. Let's let's get <laughs> out there. Let's go. Um, uh, first of all. Okay, so we got uh, everyone is practicing. Uh, this world's an accident. Practicing, you pra- they say, you know, you practice religion because you can't be a pro at it. I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, unless you're the Pope, maybe. I don't know. Is that the, <laughs> the uh, but um, yeah, so I think that that's kind of maybe uh, a reference, right. what, what that's referencing, you know, but this world's an accident, it's, you know, it's not created by a god or anything like that. It's just kind of happened and, and all oh, that sure. other sort of stuff, uh, which kind of goes into the, I thought the world, turns out the world thought me, uh, which can connect to uh, Rene Descartes, uh, you know, who is famous for saying, uh, I think, I, therefore I am, which, uh, of course, in his native French, he said first as, je pense, donc je suis, and uh, then 
put it into Latin as uh, cogito oh ergo sum. Uh, interestingly, in high school, I took two years of French and two years of Latin, but never brought that. That never came up in either of <laughs> any of the classes I took. Well, I don't know how much into philosophy they want to get into. Uh, <laughs> no, know. probably not. We were learning vocab words and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, learn how to uh, conjugate verbs. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, he was also kind of, I think he was Catholic or something like that. He uses uh, philosophy to kind of come up with um, proving that God exists and that God is good because of, you know, some other things. But that's kind of how he went along, along with his other uh, sort of uh, more existentialist uh, philosophical musings, teachings, uh, that sort of thing. But then as you go out into the in the course next lines, uh, it's all the other way around. We're upside down, which I think can connect to the pentagram, which the five points on it. You have the one point at the top, which is supposed to be spirit or the spirit realm, uh, the gods, which are in charge of the four classical elements, uh, which represent the real world, the material world. And so the spirit realm is supposed to be in charge of you know the world and reality and stuff um and then of course uh eliphas levi the uh the 19th century uh, occultist popularized the thought that when you turn it upside down it's evil it makes the goat head with the two horns on top and the beard on the bottom and you know i don't know mustache ah. or cheeks or whatever on the side Sure. Um, and which represents the triumph of matter over yeah, spirit. Yeah. Um, so turning, you know, it upside down, which would be the world thought me, you know, is, you know, seen as evil because it's not the way it's supposed to be or whatever, um, mm -hmm. which is what I guess turns out the world thought me, I guess, would represent there, which, you know, kind of sure. life creating a spiritual being, which is kind of a, a strange um, philosophical experiment uh -huh. or a thought experiment you could try to, to figure out there how, how that would work. Well, my mind has just been blown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did not look that far into, <laughs> into this, but, uh, but oh, I'm glad to hear uh, some interesting theories out there. Uh, but also, um, his line, uh, eyes, no eyes, there is no difference. I believe then it was, uh, Descartes said about, um, cause, cause he had some, he had some thoughts about, you know, like the third eye, which, uh, you know, in like the mind's eye. Yeah. Then sort of, uh, uh, other theological, uh, disciplines and stuff like that is supposed to represent, you know, man's spirituality or, uh, possibly, mm -hmm. oh, wait, no. People have thought that the third eye is a, uh, I don't know, I don't know, not a reference, but can evoke the pineal gland, which is, you know, pretty much in the center of your of your brain. Primarily, it regulates uh, circadian rhythm and uh, sleep cycles and stuff like that. Uh, also, in reptiles, they have a um, parietal eye, which allows them to sense light, which is like on some reptiles you can see is kind of like a lighter color skin, like on their okay. forehead or kind of like in the middle of their head which they can sense light through so uh that regulates their circadian rhythm um and descartes also said about the pineal gland or the the third eye that it's the principal seat of the soul huh. and then also um 
the uh, oh. Franciscan friar uh, author Richard Rohr has said that uh, the third eye is a metaphor for non-dualistic thinking. Um, the first eye, there it is. That's that's where I was coming from. Uh, the first eye is sensory input. The second eye is reason. Uh, so I guess one gathers the information, the other translates the information. Yeah, interprets it. Yeah, and then um, the third is the mystic gaze, which builds upon the first two eyes. Uh, it's it's trying to get more depth and more knowledge than those two sort of uh, uh come up with sort of like uh, consciousness itself or something trying to um, um blend those two into you know the the reality of of world of the of the real world or whatever right very interesting yeah well yeah, so there's a lot of <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, uh, philosophy and religion and, and stuff that at least that I kind of get from this song when you really dive down and deep and kind of take it apart and I don't maybe that's just because of all the weird different things that I'm aware of and that I've you know studied and come across in life and everything like that that I just pull these random oh, things no, sure, all together. That's, no, that's that's great. That's uh you know that's I, honestly I think that's. You know, we've said I've said it on like, you know, other recordings with you is, you know, each person has different interpretations of songs and stuff. And the more knowledge and experience you have, you know, the more you could spin it, so to speak, or, you know, you could get find meanings be, behind things and, and whatnot. So, you know, that's great that uh, that you have so much, uh, you know, knowledge and, and uh, you know, background with this, because I did not have very much philosophy background. And uh, <laughs> so I didn't gather any of that. But no, but I was I'm very intrigued with all that that's some uh some very good uh, theories and uh something that's uh good to look into yeah and so i guess when you're kind of thinking about it listening to it like you know the upside of down uh of course there's the Soundgarden mm -hmm. album uh, down on the upside right that yeah. uh, it's possibly a reference right. to or also you know you kind of think about it that you know upside down uh, it kind of implies that there is a right way that something is supposed to be set up so you know just because you're looking at the world one way mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right way because somebody else can be looking at it and it's you know situated the other way you know the only reason that maps right. uh pretty much in the quote-unquote dominant western world or whatever have north at the top is because that's where most of the people who lived are from so they made north at the top of the map and you can get other maps that have you know australia at the at the top or something like that that has the world kind of uh you know upside down right and, and of course they shrink africa yeah exactly make... yeah that's one of those things that i remember when you know learning that is that you know when you're used to seeing the map like the world map because it's not uh like you said it's the way it's configured it makes yeah africa seem a lot smaller than it is and it's actually enormous and of course you know it has to do with the of course the world being round and you can't really flatten that out right oh yeah of course yes and that yeah exactly everything gets skewed because of the damn mercator projection yeah, yeah. well that's called. what i was i was gonna uh because <laughs> you know when you were start talking about descartes i was gonna say well i have a background in mathematics is where my my degree so i'm familiar with him with his um the cartesian coordinates and uh and you know mapping things mathematically but i you know it comes into play also with even like a regular map because of the transferring onto like a flat surface as opposed you know something round onto a flat surface that gets into some advanced geometry and things i had to study a little bit of so. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry for bringing up that trauma again. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all right. I willingly studied mathematics, so I was okay with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. So I, I always just took this as like, um, you know, like you said, the first verse is about like just kind of like uh, nature and and everything. And and then the second, well, you know, you were talking about eyes, no eyes, there's no difference. In my mind, I just took it as, you know, everything living is going through the same process. If, you know, if you have eyes, if you're an animal or mm-hmm. if you have no eyes, if you're a plant life, then, you know, you're still going to have. Potatoes like, have eyes. Well, they do. Yes. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they do are living creatures. So I've, I've also heard that potato eyes are you should not eat them because I've heard they're toxic. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. Um, Who knows? We'll look it up on Wikipedia. The source of only true information. So. <laughs> but yeah, that, and I thought of that as just kind of you know um, as just saying that you know regardless of uh, animal vegetable maybe not minerals but animals or vegetables they uh, you know they kind of have a, a life cycle so to speak and it's that's kind of what this was about and when you said something about like the ego of man it's I kind of thought you know where it said I was a fool because I thought the world turns out the world thought me is just that you know people think they're above things and it's like nope it's that is not true it's you know mother nature will still conquer all kind of whether it's life or death or whatever. And I just took the line of we're upside down. It's just like it's the opposite of what you think kind of thing. Not so much, uh, you know, the right way and the wrong way. However, that is a very good way to look at it. I like that. Yeah. Is there anything else <laughs> about this that we can um, – Yeah, oh, okay. uh, no, not too much. Um, I've actually had somewhat of a up-and-down relationship with the song. I, You know, this was one of those songs that I will say when the album first came out, it never jumped out at me. It wasn't like my favorite it was never my least favorite. It was just kind of like, I don't, I don't say filler, but it was just, you know, it was, it was a good song. Enjoyed it. It was fine. And then I I was fortunate enough to go to a few shows on the Riot Act tour and they played it at like all of them that I was at. Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, all right, you know, not tired of it, but it's like, all right, there's other songs. Riot Act's got 15 tracks. Let's, let's play something different next time and stuff. So then I got to the point where I was just like, all right, I'll be happy if I don't hear the song anymore. I want to hear other songs. And then over time, I get you know got back into it again, and was just like, man, I'd love to see this live again. You know, it's a it's a good song, and you know, and you know, as you grow, you, you know, you learn to appreciate songs differently, and you know, as you you know, as we talked about, as, you know, people interpret songs differently, and it is a song that would be fun to see again. Do you think it's because of the kind of odd time signature ness of it that kind of doesn't grab you as much as other songs, or that it's kind of you know, kind of just a mid-tempo, middle-of-the-road kind of, it doesn't really hit you right. like maybe like a save you would you right. know, earlier in the album, or it's kind of slower and more, you know, thought-provoking, like mm-hmm. maybe like a, a subbing my right. way or something. Um, Yeah, it's probably kind of a combination of both, actually. Like, um, because it because of the weird time signature, it's one of those that is somewhat, like you said, it's, it's unusual, it's a little less, um, you know, standard, but... Like I said, I didn't really have an ear to pick up on that, but I, I just have the feel like I could tell that's, that it is a little like off, so to speak, you know, um, it just, it does sound different, but I, I wouldn't been, have been able to put my, you know, my finger on it that, oh, it's because of the time mm-hmm. signature that it sounds a little different or odd compared to some of their other stuff. So are we ready to wrap up then? Yeah, I think we've, we've, uh, we've, we've gone out there. I mean, you know, I mean, coming into it, we're talking about, you know, Pearl Jam song and we've brought up reptiles and philosophy and the Lion King. And, uh, I think, uh, I think this is, uh, I think this is good. I think we've, we've, we've run the full, uh, gamut of, uh, of <laughs> let's wrap up then, uh, since we've had you on before talking about what Pearl Jam means to you, let's get your album rankings. Uh, let's start from the bottom sure, sure. and, 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 and. And go to the top. Okay, so as the, okay. As the number gets smaller, the hits get bigger. 
All right. Well, my last place album, and again, and I will preface this by saying, well, two things. One, my album rankings could change, you know, month to month. If I were to do it again next month, I might flip-flop some of these around. Uh, the top ones will probably always still be at the top. The ones at the bottom will probably be at the bottom, but they might change the order a bit. And the other thing I will say is that I don't dislike any of their albums. You know, mm-hmm. even my last place, my 11th place album still has a lot of songs I like on it, but my last place album um, is Backspacer. I just, um, it's not that I never connected to it. I just, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know if it's because I didn't see as many song or shows on the Backspacer tour or, or what, but it's just been my least favorite. Again, still like it. I still like it a whole lot. There's some, you know, some really good songs on there, but it's just maybe the one that uh, I didn't like uh, grasp as much to. Mm-hmm. And then the next one would be uh, the following album, Lightning Bolt. I did really, you know, that was one that I think I connected to and liked more than a lot of people. But it's still, you know, when you're going up against some classics, it's hard to mm-hmm. climb the ladder in, their, in the overall ranking. But um, but I think I enjoy it more than a lot of people. I think, you know, a lot of people thought of it as just like um, not waste or anything, but just they just a lot of people just, you know, from my in my um, experience, they just think of it as just like just, you know, not a great album. And it's, you know, maybe it's not great, but it's still a pretty good album in my mind. So. And then climbing the ladder, the next section uh, will probably have some controversy in it because my next least favorite album is uh, the widely praised Vitalogy. That's low on my list. Uh, Although I will say like song by song, it has some of my absolute favorites, but for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's because, but when I, by the time I had gotten into Pearl Jam, like the album, it wasn't new to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I became a fan, like, like Yield was the first new album that came out after I had become a fan. So I didn't like experience Vitalogy as a new album, you know, like with, with the, you know, the popularity and everything. By the time I had gotten into them, it was already, you know, like I'd already heard a lot of the radio songs. And so it maybe took me a little longer to get into the, the deeper cuts of the album, which I still like a whole lot. But like I said, it's just it's one of those. And I don't know if maybe the uh, I guess we'll call them the the weird tracks, also, so mm-hmm. to speak, maybe kind of turn me off a little bit at the beginning. I do. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think less of them or anything. I don't particularly like I wouldn't skip them if I was listening to the album. But I don't you know, it's it's rare that I'm going to be like, you know, I could really use some pry Two this day. You know, yeah, I'm not yeah. really inspired <laughs> to listen to pry Two or something, you know, so I, that may have kind of thrown me off at the beginning. Um, and it's so it's just been hard to climb when other ones have maybe had some more emotional attachments to them. And then next up would be um, the self-titled just, you know, avocado or Pearl Jam or whatever. That was one that, you know, I liked it. It came out like um, that was one of the times that like it, it hit me in a, a, a good time in my life. Um, so I have some good attachments to a lot of those songs, which is probably why it's a little higher than most people would have it. And then right above that one is, uh, uh, the debut, uh, 10, 10's right in the middle for me. I think a lot of it was just cause, uh, again, I didn't experience it brand new, but I had heard by the time I got into Pearl Jam, I had pretty much known the whole album anyways, just because of radio play and, you know, hearing it. So I didn't probably appreciate it like as it's for being awesome as it is and it really is it really is amazing i i will still say that it's probably one of the greatest debut albums ever i could understand why anybody would have it first on their list um just for me it's not and then right in the middle i've got uh the newest so i went from the Mm -hmm. debut to their newest and gigaton is right in the middle for me um i think a lot of that has to do with you know the newness of it you know it's it's something exciting it's fresh it's new but i do like a lot of the songs you know uh, it's not just the recency bias, so to speak. It's, uh, I'll, you know, there's there's some really exciting songs on there. I like the viewpoints and 
you know, the messages in a lot of the songs and I understand where they're coming from and agree with a lot of them. And so it's, you know, so that's why it's kind of got so high on my rankings. And then, so coming in at number five on my list is, um, is the album we, uh, we stock talked about, uh, today with uh, riot act, uh, riot act holds a, a little special place for me because that was, uh, the first time I saw them multiple times on a tour, like I was, uh, 19 when they uh, toured Riot Act. So I was so first time I like, you know, was a full on adult and could go to multiple shows and and whatnot. And so so Riot Act always, um, like I said, means something special to me. It came out right when I was, you know, like I said, I was like 18, 19 when the album no came out. No responsibility, right, right. income. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, um, you know, and that was, you know, the second time they were doing the, you know, the, you know, they had done the bootlegs for Binaural. Yeah. And so Riot Act had the bootlegs. So, I was, you know, not only was I really into the album, you know, like I saw a lot of the shows and then I would get a lot of the bootlegs or hear a lot of the bootlegs. So, you know, so it was just like, I don't say my peak Pearl Jam listening, but uh, but it was just that they were, I was constantly listening to them around that time. And, um, you know, and there's some really good shows out there. You know, I mean, they had the DVDs, you know, there was the Live at the Garden DVD. There was the Showbox that you brought up earlier, both kind of in support of the album. So, you know, seeing, watching the DVDs a whole lot, you know. So, like I said, so a lot of these songs, maybe maybe even I don't even if I don't have like a personal connection to some of them, I still like them a whole lot. And they take me back to like, you know, good times of, uh, of my life. So. And then number four on my list is uh, Versus. It's just, um, it's just a banger. It's just so good. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, that's another one that like at some point I, I could see it being, uh, you know, number one or number two on my list. And then the top three are, I almost, I kind of lump them together because of just like, uh, you know, they came out consecutively and, and these are ones that could, uh, I'll, I'll go two and three. I could flip flop on any given day, but um, as of today, I have binaural is number two and no code is number three. You know, they, like I said, I got into Pearl Jam a little bit before the yield. And so mm-hmm. then yield was the first one that came out as um, like when I started getting into them. So it was all exciting. The first new music I had out of one of my favorite bands, the first time I saw them was on the yield tour. So having said that, I was very excited and just as excited for binaural. And that was, again, the first time um, they released the bootleg. So I was, you know, that was the first summer I had a job and disposable income. And they were happened to be releasing all their bootlegs at the local, you know, Best Buy and Mm -hmm. Target and, you know, record stores. And so, you know, and that coincides with uh, when I had my driver's license. So binaural was spun a whole lot for me. And I still think those some of those shows are so good. Like those bootlegs are still great to listen to. You know, there were some amazing set lists. There was good versions of a lot of songs. And so that's that's why I nudged it a little bit ahead of No Code, whereas No Code took me a little longer to get into, very similar to Vitalogy, where I was kind of already a fan. So I didn't like, like the very first time I saw them was on the Yield Tour. And I remember like not being as familiar with Vitalogy and No Code. And like at the show, there was a couple, you know, deeper cuts that I was kind of like, was this a Vitalogy song or was this a No Code song? Just because I hadn't like fully embraced them yet. It's like, you know, I was still, you know, they were still growing on me and still becoming my favorite band. And um, uh, and so, so, but still, but then over time, you know, I really appreciated and really got into No Code, which then 
you know, for those keeping score at home, number one would be Yield, as I've mentioned for multiple times, because uh, like I said, that's the first new album that came out after I become started becoming a fan. And it was the first new, exciting Pearl Jam. And it just, it's amazingly good. It's just a great album. It's it still to this day is like my cheer up album. If I've had a, you know, a bad day or, you know, some sad news or, or just whatever, you know, it's just like, I need to be picked up a little bit. I'll just throw it on, not even like in a, on a shuffle or whatever. It just, you know, just play it from, you know, start to finish. And it's, it's just an album that while listening to it, you know, it'll cheer me up. It'll bring my spirits up. I was married last year and I walked down the aisle to give in to fly. So just like the whole album is just been um, very, very um, like instrumental in my Pearl Jam fandom, I guess you could say. All right. Well, thanks for that. And, uh, and thanks for coming on and, and dorking out about Pearl Jam with me today. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm always, I'm always uh, happy to do this and, uh, and I'll come on anytime you'll have me. And I always enjoy dorking out, especially about Pearl Jam. The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palom and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email ListenUpReno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to The Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Bradley, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Kirk, crackers are a family food. Happy families. Maybe single people eat crackers, we don't know. Frankly, we don't want to know. It's a market we could do without. Mm-hmm.